0: chapters three and four of sevastopol by leo tolstoy this librivox recording is in the public domain chapters three and four of part two sevastopol in may eighteen fifty five he went first of all to the pavilion near which were standing the musicians for whom other soldiers of the same regiment were holding the notes in the absence of stands and about whom a ring of cadets nurses and children had formed intent rather on seeing than on hearing around the pavilion stood sat or walked sailors adjutants and officers in white gloves along the grand avenue of the boulevard paced officers of every sort and women of every description rarely in bonnets mostly with kerchiefs on their heads some had neither bonnets nor kerchiefs but no one was old and it was worthy of note that all were gay young creatures beyond in the shady and fragrant alleys of white acacia isolated groups walked and sat no one was especially delighted to encounter captain mikhailov on the boulevard with the exception possibly of the captain of his regiment obzikoff and captain Suslikov, who pressed his hand warmly but the former was dressed in camel's-hair trousers no gloves a threadbare coat and his face was very red and covered with perspiration and the second shouted so loudly and incoherently that it was mortifying to walk with them particularly in the presence of the officers in white gloves with one of whom an adjutant staff captain mikoloff exchanged bows and he might have bowed to another staff officer since he had met him twice at the house of a mutual acquaintance besides what pleasure was it to him to promenade with these two gentlemen obzikoff and suslikoff when he had met with them and shaken hands with them six times that day already it was not for this that he had come he wanted to approach the adjutant with whom he had exchanged bows and to enter into conversation with these officers not for the sake of letting captains Obsakoff and Suzlikoff and lieutenant pashteshky see him talking with them but simply because they were agreeable people and what was more they knew the news and would have told it but why is captain micheloff afraid and why cannot he make up his mind to approach them what if they should all at once refuse to recognise me he thinks or having bowed to me what if they continue their conversation among themselves as though i did not exist or walk away from me entirely and leave me standing there alone among the aristocrats the word aristocrats, in the sense of a higher select circle in any rank of life, has acquired for some time past with us in Russia a great popularity and has penetrated into every locality and into every class of society whither vanity has penetrated among merchants, among officials, writers, and officers, to Saratov, to Mamadouish, to Venice, everywhere where men exist to captain obzakov staff-captain mikoloff was an aristocrat to staff-captain mikoloff adjutant kalugin was an aristocrat because he was an adjutant and was on such a footing with the other adjutants as to call them thou to adjutant kalugin count nordoff was an aristocrat because he was an adjutant on the emperor's staff Vanity, vanity, and vanity everywhere, even on the brink of the grave, and among men ready to die for the highest convictions. Vanity. It must be that it is a characteristic trait and a peculiar malady of our century. Why was nothing ever heard among the men of former days of this passion any more than of the smallpox or the cholera? why did homer and shakespeare talk of love of glory of suffering while the literature of our age is nothing but an endless narrative of snobs and vanity the staff-captain walked twice in indecision past the group of his aristocrats and the third time he exerted an effort over himself and went up to them this group consisted of four officers adjutant kalugin an acquaintance of adjutant prince galtsin who was something of an aristocrat even for kalugin himself colonel neferdolf one of the so-called hundred and twenty-two men of the world who had entered the service for this campaign from the retired list and captain of cavalry preshgukin also one of the hundred and twenty-two luckily for Mikhailov, kalugin was in a very fine humour The general had just been talking to him in a very confidential way and prince galtsin who had just arrived from petersburg was stopping with him he did not consider it beneath his dignity to give his hand to captain michailov which prashkushkin however could not make up his mind to do though he had met michailov very frequently on the bastion had drunk the latter's wine and vodka and was even indebted to him twenty roubles and a half preference as he did not yet know prince galtsin very well he did not wish to convict himself in the latter's presence of an acquaintance with a simple staff-captain of infantry he bowed slightly to the latter well captain said kalugin when are we to go to the bastion again do you remember how we met each other on the schwarz redoubt it was hot there nay." Nee? yes it was hot said mikhailov recalling how he had that night as he was making his way along the trenches to the bastion encountered kalugin who was walking along like a hero valiantly clanking his sword i ought to have gone there to-morrow according to present arrangements but we have a sick man pursued mikhailov one officer as he was about to relate how it was not his turn but as the commander of the eighth company was ill and the company had only a cornet left he had regarded it as his duty to offer himself in the place of lieutenant and was therefore going to the bastion to-day but kalugin did not hear him out i have a feeling that something is going to happen within a few days he said to prince Galtsin. "'And won't there be something to-day?' asked Mikhailov, glancing first at Kalugin, then at Galtsin. No one made him any reply. Prince Galtsin merely frowned a little, sent his eyes past the other's cap, and after maintaining silence for a moment said, "'That's a magnificent girl in the red kerchief. You don't know her, do you, Captain?' Oh, "'She lives near my quarters. She is the daughter of a sailor,' replied the staff-captain. "'Come on, let's have a good look at her.' and prince galtsin linked one arm in that of kalugin the other in that of the staff-captain being convinced in advance that he could afford the latter no greater gratification which was in fact quite true the staff-captain was superstitious and considered it a great sin to occupy himself with women before a battle but on this occasion he feigned to be a vicious man which Prince Galtsin and Kalugin evidently did not believe, and which greatly amazed the girl in the red kerchief, who had more than once observed how the staff-captain blushed as he passed her little window. Prashkukin walked behind, and kept touching Prince Galtsin with his hand, and making various remarks in the French tongue. But as a fourth person could not walk on the small path, he was obliged to walk alone, and it was only on the second round that he took the arm of the brave and well-known naval officer sir who had stepped up and spoken to him and who was also desirous of joining the circle of aristocrats and the gallant and famous beau joyfully thrust his honest and muscular hand through the elbow of a man who was known to all and even well known to sir as not too nice when prashkukhin exclaimed to the prince his acquaintance with that sailor whispered to him that the latter was well known for his bravery prince galtsin having been on the fourth bastion on the previous evening having seen a bomb burst twenty paces from him considering himself no less a hero than this gentleman and thinking that many a reputation is acquired undeservedly paid no particular attention to Serviakin it was so agreeable to staff-captain mikhailoff to walk about in this company that he forgot the dear letter from t and the gloomy thoughts which had assailed him in connection with his impending departure for the bastion he remained with them until they began to talk exclusively among themselves avoiding his glances thereby giving him to understand that he might go and finally deserted him entirely but the staff-captain was content nevertheless, and as he passed juncker Baron Pesch, who had been particularly haughty and self-conceited since the preceding night, which was the first that he had spent in the bomb-proof of the fifth bastion, and consequently considered himself a hero, he was not in the least offended at the presumptuous expression with which the Junker straightened himself up and doffed his hat before him chapter four when later the staff-captain crossed the threshold of his quarters entirely different thoughts entered his mind he looked around his little chamber with its uneven earth floor and saw the windows all awry pasted over with paper his old bed with a rug nailed over it upon which was depicted a lady on horseback and over which hung two tula pistols the dirty couch of a cadet who lived with him and which was covered with a chintz coverlet he saw his nikita who with untidy tallowed hair rose from the floor scratching his head he saw his ancient cloak, his extra pair of boots, and a little bundle, from which peeped a bit of cheese, and the neck of a porter-bottle filled with vodka, which had been prepared for his use on the bastion, and all at once he remembered that he was obliged to go with his company, that night, to the fortifications. "'It is certainly foreordained that I am to be killed to-night,' thought the captain. "'I do feel it.' and the principal point is that i need not have gone but that i offered myself and the man who thrusts himself forward is always killed and what's the matter with that accursed it is quite possible that he is not sick at all and they will kill another man for his sake they will infallibly kill him however if they don't kill me i shall be promoted probably i saw how delighted the regimental commander was when i asked him to allow me to go if lieutenant napshevsky was ill if i don't turn out a major then i shall certainly get the vladimir cross this is the thirteenth time that i have been to the bastion ah the thirteenth is an unlucky number they will surely kill me i feel that i shall be killed but someone had to go it was impossible for the lieutenant of the corps to go and whatever happens the honour of the regiment the honour of the army depends on it it was my duty to go yes my sacred duty but i have a foreboding the captain forgot that this was not the first time that a similar foreboding had assailed him in a greater or less degree when it had been necessary to go to the bastion and he did not know that every one who sets out on an affair experiences this foreboding with more or less force having calmed himself with this conception of duty which was especially and strongly developed in the staff-captain he seated himself at the table and began to write a farewell letter to his father ten minutes later having finished his letter he rose from the table his eyes wet with tears and mentally reciting all the prayers he knew he set about dressing his coarse drunken servant indolently handed him his new coat the old one which the captain generally wore when going to the bastion was not mended why is not my coat mended you never do anything but sleep you good-for-nothing said mikhailov angrily sleep grumbled nikita you run like a dog all day long perhaps you stop but you must not sleep even then you are drunk again i see i didn't get drunk on your money so you needn't scold hold your tongue blockhead shouted the captain who was ready to strike the man he had been absent-minded at first but now he was at last out of patience and embittered by the rudeness of nikita whom he loved even spoiled and who had lived with him for twelve years blockhead blockhead repeated the servant why do you call me blockhead sir is this a time for that sort of a thing it is not good to curse mikilov recalled whither he was on the point of going and felt ashamed of himself you are enough to put a saint out of patience nikita he said in a gentle voice leave that letter to my father on the table and don't touch it he added turning red yes sir said nikita melting under the influence of the wine which he had drunk as he had said at his own expense and winking his eyes with a visible desire to weep but when the captain said good-bye nikita on the porch nikita suddenly broke down into repressed sobs and ran to kiss his master's hand farewell master he exclaimed sobbing the old sailor's wife who was standing on the porch could not in her capacity of a woman refrain from joining in this touching scene so she began to wipe her eyes with her dirty sleeve and to say something about even gentlemen having their trials to bear and that she poor creature had been left a widow and she related for the hundredth time to drunken Nikita the story of her woes, how her husband had been killed in the first bombardment, and how her little house had been utterly ruined, the one in which she was now living did not belong to her, and so on. When his master had departed, Nikita lighted his pipe, requested the daughter of their landlord to go for some vodka, and very soon ceased to weep but on the contrary got into a quarrel with the old woman about some small bucket which he declared she had broken but perhaps i shall only be wounded meditated the captain as he marched through the twilight to the bastion with his company but where how here or here he thought indicating his belly and his breast if it should be here he thought of the upper portion of his leg it might run round well but if it were here and by a splinter that would finish me the captain reached the fortification safely through the trenches set his men to work with the assistance of an officer of sappers in the darkness which was complete and seated himself in a pit behind the breastworks there was not much firing Only once in a while the lightning flashed from our batteries, then from his, and the brilliant fuse of a bomb traced an arc of flame against the dark, starry heavens. But all the bombs fell far in the rear and to the right of the rifle-pits in which the captain sat. He drank his vodka, ate his cheese, lit his cigarette, and after saying his prayers, he tried to get a little sleep. End of chapters 3 and 4